0: Right. Well, good morning. Again, as you're making your way back to your seats, I just want to welcome you again to Providence Road. My name is Chris Valencia, and I am the Director of Worship and Arts here at Providence Road. And I'm really glad that you are able to join us on this Memorial Day weekend where uh, we get to shift gears in a couple of different ways. So one, normally this is about the point where I'd be done, and I'd be sitting with you all, and somebody else would be up here this morning. But I am thankful for Zeth leading us uh, as we sang together this morning, and I'm also thankful and honored to have the opportunity to To spend about the next 30 minutes or so with you guys as we dig into God's Word this morning. As we do that, we've been in the book of Genesis uh, for a while now, it feels like, and and, uh, we're going to actually press pause on that as well this morning, and uh, we're we're actually going to go back to a few of the themes that we have looked at in the book of Genesis, and we're going to sort of look at them in a fresh way this morning, and and hopefully my goal by the end of today is that as we revisit some of these themes that we've looked at over the past month and a half, that we would actually have some very practical handles, some very practical applications for us to to say, how should we respond? In, In light of what we've heard, there should be a response in our lives. And so this morning, my hope is that we would have a very practical way to respond to God's Word this morning from Genesis, but also from 1 John 1, which is where we'll be this morning. So if you have your Bibles with you, Please turn to 1 John chapter 1. If you do not have a Bible with you this morning, there should be one either under your seat or under a seat nearby. Uh, Feel free to grab that one as well. If you do not own a Bible, if you do not have one personally, that is our gift to you. We ask that you would take that with you. Uh, We believe that lives are changed by the Word of God uh, being, being in our, our hearts and in our minds. And that happens first by it being in our hands. And so if you do not have a Bible, please take that with you. We want you to have the Word of God uh, available and present and, and have that be forming and shaping you. Uh, and so this morning we're going to read from 1 John chapter 1. I'm going to read this over us real quick. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes— If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Uh, let's pray. Father God, I, I just thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that this morning it has the power that I do not. God, that your power has, through your word, your power can change lives. That you can open eyes to see you for who you are this morning. That you can uh, soften our hardened hearts. So God, we ask that you would do the work that only you can do. I ask that as we spend these next few minutes together, God, that we would see you as beautiful. That We would see you as worthy of our worship that we would long for fellowship with you and one another. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So um, again, as I said before, we're going to look at a couple of themes that we have already visited in the past. And so if you remember about a month and a half ago, Jeremy uh, took us through the fall of man in the Garden of Eden. So Adam and, and Eve walking in perfect fellowship with the Father. They take of the fruit that is forbidden, and sin enters into the world, and with it, shame and guilt. And then he talks about how Jesus is the answer. Jesus bore upon himself our sin and our shame and our guilt so that we might be brought back into fellowship with God. And if you have not listened to that, I encourage you, go back and listen to that sermon. We don't have time to to cover all of the things that Jeremy did so well in, in that passage. So go back and listen to that. A couple of weeks after that, he talked about this idea of biblical confession and biblical repentance and the importance of that in our lives. And then if you fast forward to just this very last week, Blake actually looked at, in Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel, and this idea that we long to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. We long to make a name for ourselves, and and so often in the process of doing this, what we do is we actually forsake the name and the glory of God. But what we long for is to be a part of something bigger than ourselves, and so as we look at these ideas of sin and shame, of gospel, biblical repentance and confession, and of being a part of something bigger than ourselves this morning, I pray that we would see just a little bit more how to do that. Uh, a little bit of background on the book of First John. If you're not already familiar, this is uh, John the Apostle. This is John who walked with Jesus. He saw him perform miracles, and he heard him proclaim the upside-down kingdom of a God who pursues broken and lost people, and he calls sinners sons and daughters. This is John who ate at the Savior's side and then later wept at his feet as he was crucified. And this is John who saw the risen Savior. This is John who heard as Christ was ascending to the heavens, the command to go and to make disciples of all the nations. And now he's writing to the church and he's imparting the truth about God's kingdom and character. Let's look again at verses 1 through 4. That which was from the beginning... And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Now again, John was with Jesus. This is a man who spent time with Jesus. And what he's saying here is that which was from the beginning, it was made manifest. This man, Jesus Christ, he is the answer. He is the key in all of these things that we're going to look at today. And what is it that John longs for? And what is it that that hopefully we all long for this morning as well? In verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. He says, we long for you to be brought into fellowship with us, even as we have fellowship with the Father. Uh, Now, I've been thinking a lot about this idea of fellowship this week. And, and I don't know about you, what, what sort of um, associations you maybe have with this word fellowship. But for me, uh, I grew up in the church and, and we had uh, at my old church what we would call a fellowship hall, right? And this was a place that on Wednesday nights or Sunday nights, uh, people would gather in the fellowship hall and often this was associated with eating, right? So fellowship equals food, and it equals this space within a building that we call a fellowship hall. Uh, and so maybe if you grew up in the church, you're, you're familiar with that, this idea. But that's the first thing in my mind when I think of fellowship. But maybe you've also heard people say something like this. Maybe you've heard, man, we had some Friends over on Friday night. It's just such a, such a sweet time of fellowship with others. Sweet time of fellowship with our friends. And, and I have to be honest with you, um, when, when I have heard this in the past, my, my in, immediate reaction is to sort of uh, inwardly wince and think, man, just say hang out. Just say hang out. Don't be weird about this. You know, a time of fellowship, just say, hey, we hung out, it was great. You know, that's fine. I feel like when, sometimes when we use the word fellowship, what someone is signaling to us is that they mean something holier than what happens when the rest of us hang out. In that respect, it's always seemed just a little bit pretentious and a little bit judgmental to me. But that being said, I think that there is a huge benefit to the sort of fellowship that John is talking about in this passage. A benefit that can't be captured by the notion of hanging out. It's so much more than that. See, hanging out is laid back, and it's easygoing, and it's very non-threatening. It's easy to hang out. Fellowship sounds very churchy, and it sounds sort of, I don't know, touchy-feely, right? I think the thing that makes people most uncomfortable about the idea of fellowship is that it sounds like God is involved, Fellowship sounds like a time when we get together and act as if God is truly in our presence. As if the commands of Scripture ought to have a bearing on our lives. And as if His promises are really true for us today. It sounds kind of deep and honest and vulnerable. And maybe, honestly, maybe we're just too jaded by our own attempts at being relevant and cool to embrace this idea of fellowship. Maybe it sounds just a little bit too transparent. Maybe it deals too closely with matters of the heart, matters that test our belief in the kindness and goodness and sovereignty of God. Maybe fellowship, when we think about it in in this way, just seems a little bit too eternity-focused. Maybe we're worried that being constantly faced with conversations of eternal things would cause us to have to change the emphasis that we place on so many of the other things in our lives. Staring into the reality of eternity has a way of doing that to us. This is why we like conferences, right? Conferences are are great. They're an opportunity for us to sharply focus in on a subject and wrestle with its implication for our lives. And then we get to go home to reality. There's nothing like a conference To stir our hearts for the things of eternity. Give me this idea of fellowship at a conference. I can handle that. But man, when I go home, just just let me hang out. But I I can't get this idea of fellowship from 1 John out of my head. John says that he's writing so that our joy may be complete. There's something about this fellowship with God and with others that stirs and brings joy. He desires that we be brought into fellowship with Him and with the Father. He says that their joy is made complete through fellowship with God and with others. And these are the two things I want us to focus on for the rest of our time together. Two themes for the rest of our time. What it means to have fellowship with God and others and where this fellowship is found. These are the two things we're going to look at. What it means to have fellowship with God and others and where this fellowship is found. We're actually going to start with that second one because I think that where fellowship is found is going to tell us a lot about what it looks like and what it means to have fellowship. So first of all, fellowship is found in two places according to this passage. Fellowship is found in the light and it's found in confession. Fellowship is found in the light And it's found in confession. It's found in the light. Look again at verses 5 through 7 of 1 John. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. So first we see this, God is light. And we see this in other passages of Scripture as well, where where um the sort of the presence of God is shown to be a light, and so we have uh, from Acts nine, we have Saul of Tarsus. He's on the road to Damascus, uh, you know, whispering threats of murder against the disciples of the Lord, and he encounters a bright light and the risen Savior. The light of God shines upon his life, and he is forever changed. And we see him become Paul, the man who we know and love for the many letters that he wrote to the early church. Paul, the church planter. Paul, the man who would seek to stir and cultivate fellowship among believers in so many parts of the world. But secondly, we see this picture of God as light uh, in another place in Revelation 21. Starting in verse 1, it says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. that we would be in his presence and have fellowship with him. Now, obviously, this is, talking about, um, this is talking about Jesus' second coming. This is talking about a time when he makes all things new, as it says a little bit further down in this passage. But this is something that we see as the longing, as the desire, as the intent to where we are headed. The dwelling place of God is with man. And he says he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Let's look at uh, verse 22 of Revelation 21. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city had no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb." By its light will the nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it and its gates will never be shut by day and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations. God is light and he's welcoming us and he's calling us if we are his children to walk in this same light, to walk with him. We're called to walk in the light. Look again at at verse 7. 1 John 1, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. Okay, so there's a twofold blessing that accompanies walking in the light. One, we have fellowship with one another. Two, we're cleansed from our sins by the blood of Jesus. Okay, so we have fellowship with one another and we're cleansed from our sins by the blood of Jesus. Uh, Let's look at this first part. See, true fellowship happens when we walk in the light of God's grace and mercy. When we walk in God's light and when we walk in fellowship with one another, that is a very transparent thing because the light reveals our brokenness. It shows our bruises and our scars. It shows that we are broken, that we are hurting, that we're not all put together. And honestly, I I struggle oftentimes with this idea of trusting others to that degree. Um, I've, had, I've had some times lately where I've, I've just thought, I don't know that I truly trust that other people want what's best for me. I don't know that I trust their intentions, that I, that I feel that the intentions of other people toward me are, are neutral at best and harmful at worst. And if that is my inclination, do you think that then I'm going to desire to walk in the light? No. No, the inclination of my heart is to hang out, to walk in shallow waters that don't require me to share the deeper things of life for fear of giving other people leverage over me. Now, I think there's two reasons why we might respond this way to walking in the light. First of all, it could be uh, an issue of approval, right? If I want the approval of others, if I am looking to the approval of other people for my worth, for my identity to find value, then I will never walk in the light because again, the light reveals what's wrong. The light reveals what's broken inside of me. The light reveals I don't have it all together. There's shame there potentially, right? There's, there's guilt And instead of driving me to walk in community, to walk in fellowship, if I desire for other people to approve of me, I'm not going to show those things. I'm going to hide those things. A second and a a deeper reason, I think why we would not want to walk in fellowship with others and walk in the light is uh, if I don't trust God's goodness toward me. Right? It's It's one thing to trust the goodness of other people. But if we don't have that, do we at least trust God? Do we trust that He desires what is good for us, that He and His plans are good and right and for our good? Let's look at um, Jeremiah 17, starting in verse 5. This gets at this idea again of of trusting God. Uh, both others and God. Jeremiah 17, starting in verse 5. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when the heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. You see, from this passage, we see that trusting God is absolutely necessary for a properly ordered life. To walk in the light is to trust that the light is good. And if we can trust the goodness of God, then we actually have less to fear when it comes to whether or not other people approve of us. Look at this uh, from Romans 8.28 says this, it says, we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, who are called ator- according to his purpose. And if we can trust that, if we can cling to that, if we can believe that, then we can worry just a little bit less about everyone else. Look at what it says in verse 31, continuing on. What, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? if we can believe and if we can trust that God is working for our good, if we can have an identity that is rooted first and foremost in trusting that He is good and His plans are good, we can worry just a little bit less about the kinds of harms that we might think other people might do to us, especially when it comes to fellow believers. This idea of walking in fellowship means walking in fellowship with other believers who can encourage us, whom we ought to be able to trust. It starts with trusting that God knows what he's talking about, that he has a plan in mind when he says, walk in fellowship with one another. If God is working toward my good, then I can trust that he's also working toward the good in the lives of the other believers around me, and I can begin to open up and trust them as well. So first, fellowship with God and with others is found in the light. Secondly, it's found in... In, um, in confession. And so let's look at 1 John 1, 7 again. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin as we walk in the light. How does, how does this happen? Look at verses 8 and 9. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, the light shows us our brokenness. And as it does so, we have two responses available to us. One, we can try to mask it. But it says, if we say we have no sin, we're only deceiving ourselves. We can try to mask it. We can try to cover it and hide it in the shadows, and not walk in the light and not walk in true, authentic, genuine fellowship with others. Or we can walk in confession. The light shows us our brokenness, and we can respond by walking in confession because it says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Um, I want to look at how these two options play out for us again in Psalm 32. Psalm 32, starting in verse 1. If I can find I'm just going to read it from here. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts No iniquity. How how is this accomplished? David David says, uh, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. I acknowledge my sin to you. Instead of running from the light, he runs to the light and he throws himself upon the mercy of God. He says, Here I am. Here I am. I'm broken, but I'm not running. And it says that the Lord forgave the iniquity of his transgressions. Don't we long for that same kind of fellowship with the Father? Don't we long to hear the words that, that were forgiven? It's found in the light. It's found in confession. It's found not in running from, but running to the throne of grace. Come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide that we walk in in confession and we walk in fellowship with the Father and with one another. And here's one of the beautiful results that we see in Romans chapter 5 verses one and two. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith. Now pause right there. Take a look at the way that this is laid out. Therefore, having been justified by faith. Past tense, this is something that has occurred. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Having been justified, we have, present tense, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exult in hope of the glory of God. We stand only in the grace purchased for us by the blood of Jesus. And it says we exult, or as another version says, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We enter into a fellowship that is bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. We walk in freedom and confession before the Lord, and then as a result, we're able to do the same with others. Now, I said I I wanted to get really practical and have some really practical application points for us today. How do we, in this struggle, this mess of walking in the light, walking in fellowship with one another, how do we deal with these same things of sin and shame and uh, biblical gospel-centered confession and repentance. Well, there's a couple of things. First, uh, if you are not a follower of Jesus in this room, if you've not trusted Jesus to be your righteousness before God, maybe you don't even yet believe in the God of the Bible, I would challenge you to consider the invitation of 1 John one nine. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us Our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, this offer is made to you this morning. Fellowship with God is the greatest gift that could ever be given, and it's offered to you through the finished work of Jesus Christ, His Son. Apart from fellowship with God, there is no true way to even have fellowship with others, right? Again, if we will not walk in genuine freedom, allowing others to see us as we truly are, if we're looking to other people to validate our worth and our identity. It's only through hearing the God of the universe say, you are mine, you are my son, you are my daughter, that we will be able to rest in an unshakable identity that allows us to walk in freedom and authenticity with others. So if you have not yet received the free gift of God's grace offered in Christ Jesus, then today is the day. Why wait? He stands ready to forgive. And in case you're wondering, yes. Yes, he can forgive you even for that, whatever that thing is. Whatever you might be wondering about this morning, can, can his mercy, does his grace go far enough for that? Yes, absolutely. Confess your sins. And he is faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse you today. And if you need someone to talk with you or to pray with you today, uh, we would love to do that either myself or one of the other staff members or one of the elders here, we would love to talk with you, to pray for you, or to t- continue the conversation if you have uh, questions about this and want to wrestle with this. Like John, we desire that you too would have fellowship with us and with the Father through His Son, Jesus. Now, if you, uh, if you already are a believer in Jesus this morning, if you are a follower of Jesus, then I have two application points for you this morning two applications. First, walk with another person in the light. And I can't say this any better than Dietrich Bonhoeffer, so I'm just going to read uh, a quote of his from his book, Life Together. It says this, "'In confession, the breakthrough to community takes place. Sin demands to have a man by himself. It withdraws him from the community.'" The more isolated a person is, the more destructive will be the power of sin over him. And the more deeply he becomes involved in it, the more disastrous is his isolation. Sin wants to remain unknown. It shuns the light. In the darkness of the unexpressed, it poisons the whole being of a person. This can happen even in the midst of a pious community. In confession, the light of the gospel breaks into darkness and seclusion of the heart. The sin must be brought into the light. The unexpressed must be openly spoken and acknowledged. All that is secret and hidden is made manifest. It is a hard struggle until the sin is openly admitted. But God breaks the gates of brass and bars of iron. Whatever keeps us from walking in the light... We need to walk in the light with another person. Maybe you're already engaged in the practice of confessing your sins before God, but walking in the light means that we have fellowship with one another as well, and that one of the purposes of this fellowship is so that we might encourage and strengthen one another. Look at what James 5.16 has to say about this. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. See, confess your sins to one another as well, James says, and pray for one another. This is one of the things, man, when we come broken, it's not, the the, the goal is not sit there, feel shame, feel the guilt. Uh, That that we have walked in. We've said, yes, I'm broken. It's not supposed to stop there. That's not what we're trying to accomplish, is that we would um, sort of beat ourselves up. This is not the point of walking in the light. It's so that we can pray for one another, so that we might begin to uh, intercede on behalf of one another before the Father. God, would you help my brother? Would you help my sister to walk in freedom and joy in Jesus, to find hope and healing, walk in the light with another person secondly walk by the spirit okay walk in the light with another person but walk by the spirit galatians 5:16 and 17 says this galatians 5:16 and 17 but i say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. And look at what it says if we drop down into verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit, walking in the light and in the fellowship of the Father, is accompanied by walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, not by our own strength. Walking in the light requires a renewed heart, one that has been made alive by the indwelling Spirit of God. And so this is why Jesus tells the disciples, it's better for you that I go. It's better that I go and that the helper comes because the Holy Spirit is the one who enables us to walk in the light, to see God for who he is, to see each other. The saints and to desire fellowship and desire to walk with one another in that sort of open and authentic fellowship. See, I think I've um, I think I've changed my mind about this idea of fellowship. I think I've changed my mind. I I want it. I want it for me. I don't want to I don't want to hang out anymore. (laughs) I want fellowship. I want it for me. I want it for Providence Road, and let me tell you this, it's, it's not just going to happen by coming into this place on Sundays for an hour and a half. We will not be able to find true fellowship of this kind, of this caliber that we see in First John by coming into this place for an hour and a half. See, it's, it's too easy to walk into here and put up a good front, and then to pick up our brokenness and our baggage on our way out and walk throughout our weeks feeling completely alone walking in guilt and shame, walking in the shadows where we just try to pretend that everything's okay. So if you long for fellowship, it's so much more than just coming here on a Sunday morning. That's why for Providence Road, missional communities are one of the primary vehicles that we use missional communities gather throughout the week so that we might truly be in each other's lives. It's, it's life on life. It's lived uh, with each other. It's, it's opportunities to serve one another, to have this very um, authentic and uh, just genuine fellowship with one another where we can share our brokenness, we can, we can share our victories, that as uh, Romans 12 says, we, we uh, weep with those who weep and we rejoice with those who rejoice. That happens in true fellowship with one another. And if you're not already uh, involved in a missional community, I encourage you, uh, come talk with me afterwards. Talk with one of the other staff or elders or check out our Connections uh, board out here. It's got a list of the different missional communities and the different times and nights of the week that they meet. Get involved. Let's walk in the light together. May we be a people who walk in fellowship with one another and with the Father so that like John our joy may be full. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would, that you would give us the desire for true and genuine fellowship. Lord, that we wouldn't be satisfied any longer with just sort of the mediocrity of hanging out. Lord, I I pray that you would, that you would by your spirit, give us courage to see that it's o- it's okay to walk in the light. It's okay to show our brokenness. It's okay to be people who need work. God, I pray that you would give us boldness to run into the light rather than from it and there to find fellowship with you and fellowship with one another. Lord, maybe... Maybe we can redeem this notion of fellowship. We can pull it out of its sort of archaic understanding. And God, we can, we can put hands and flesh to it by your power and by your spirit so that people might once again see fellowship as one of the greatest gifts that you've given us. Lord, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.